Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casser les lignes, the first episode of 2022. Happy New Year to anybody who's who's listening. Hope you are all uh, safe and, and sound. I know in Australia, everyone's freaking out because we have uh, three cases and a half of COVID. Uh, and I hope everybody else around the world is doing okay. Uh, today, the first episode of 2022 is uh, is a pretty special episode, actually. Uh, a few games were cancelled uh, over the weekend. And so, um, you know, I decided to do something that I wanted to do for a while. And I'm lucky enough to have found Uh, a friend who was also keen. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a look back at the first half of Ligue 1 season and, and have a bit of fun with it. And so I have a special guest on from um, Le Classic podcast. Uh, Baptiste is here with me. How are you, Baptiste? I'm good. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, sorry, ba Baptiste, but Bapo when I heard Le, yeah. Le Classic yeah. for, uh, for the English uh, speakers. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being here with us. Tell us, I guess, a little bit about, um, you know, your, your love for French football and, uh, and about your podcast, Le Classic, for anybody who wasn't listened to it. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. So uh, I'm a French national. I've grown up in the UK, but I've been brought up on the good Ligue 1 fair and the French national team, um, you know, over the last more than sort of 25, 26 years. Uh, so it's obviously an important part of my culture and it's, and it's an interesting league. So always love following it. And um, Le Classique is just a uh, project with a friend of mine uh, who loves French football as well. And we, we just enjoy talking about sort of recent French football history rather than sort of a weekly, um, you know, look at the games, etc. Uh, we've, we've got quite sort of busy lives and it's, it's more for fun than anything. But it's, yeah, it's about various themes and various teams across the years. So we looked at, you know, the Dominic years, the head of the French team, for example, Um, you know, we, we looked at, at the Euro, um, you know, we've got, we looked at the players who came across to the UK or, or abroad and who were tagged as the next Zidane, et cetera. And, and we've also done sort of the top 50 French Premier League players of all time that we haven't finished yet, but it's been quite interesting. Uh, so it's just, just a pleasure, just for fun. Uh, but obviously we both love French football and, uh, it's a good, good opportunity to talk about, about French football. If you haven't listened to the classic, please um, and go and give it a, a listen. It's uh, w exactly what Baptiste is saying, and it's pretty untimely, being uh, you know the look at all, all those uh, years to years, and and even the Euro for earlier this year, uh, last year, sorry, in 2022 now. Um, so yeah, go, go give it a look. It's very interesting, and if you don't know. Um, you know, a lot, or if you're interested in uh, the French history through football, it's, it's uh, a good look. Uh, and, and clearly, you guys are doing a, a good job there. Uh, today, for the pod, Baptiste, so uh, when, when we discussed, we, we had a good idea that came up. Uh, and so we're going to channel our inner Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo for people <laughs> who, who know NBA and, uh, and understand what the redraftables would be in the Bill Simmons podcast. Uh, so we're going to do basically a, a bit of a draft of the best players of Ligue 1 after 19 games. We're going to focus on Ligue 1 only for the first half uh, of the season. Uh, and we're going to pick uh, what looked like a starting 11 uh, with, with the best players first. And, and guess I guess we're just going to talk about um, what player we think are, are the best in, in our Uh, in our competition and, and are the more worth of of being talked to. I, I'd be surprised, you know, maybe we'll meet again yeah. in uh, in July to see how many of those players are yeah. still in Liga at the end of the season because uh, about two or three, I wouldn't be surprised if they all leave and maybe it's a, 
maybe it's a point in itself to explain why the best players don't stay in Liga. Um, I guess it's a good way of explaining it. Then we'll do a bit of a social media um, push where we'll explain where we put our team so you guys can react to it who, who are listening and you can tell us if you disagree or you can um, you know, be upset at us for not including um, your favorite centre-back or your favorite um, striker. Before we go into that um, that pretty cool draft of Ligando, let's quickly look at the results uh, of the weekend and we'll talk about a, a couple of games, I guess. Uh, so it was match day 20. Uh, like I said, a few games were cancelled. The game that were played, uh, Marseille finally won in Bordeaux on, on Friday night, Saturday morning here in Australia. Uh, 1-0, the first win for Marseille since 1977 uh, in uh in Bordeaux, I was going to say as a start Pierre Lescure, but it's not Pierre Lescure anymore. It's the Mat- Mat- Atlantic now. Uh, the goal by, uh, by Senjis Under. Uh, Lance and Rennes played, uh, on Saturday and a win for Lance 1-0, an important win between two teams who were, um, struggling in, in December, a, a goal at the 89th minute for Wesley Side. And then Brest Nice was played, uh, in Brittany. Nice won 3-0 despite being down to 10 men for about 70 minutes after Schellerland was sent off. Dolberg, Delorgue, and Guiri, the three uh, offensive stars of Nice, uh, put their name on the score sheet, and Nice is back on the second spot now, level with OM. Uh, Strasbourg won in Metz for the derby of the Northeast. Uh, Ajork, of course, with a goal and an assist, and Metz, unfortunately, stays in the relegation zone. You're, you're wondering how many more games Antonetti is going to stay on the bench over there. Uh, Clermont Reims and Nantes Monaco both finished uh, at the nil-nil draw. The first game for Philippe Clément on the bench for Monaco. Uh, some interesting things, but obviously the, the team still need to, to get there. And the last game uh, of the weekend, which just finished um, about an hour ago, uh, was Lyon against Paris Saint-Germain at the Groupama Stadium. 1-1, an early Paqueta goal after a perfect pass by uh, Bruno Guimaraes. And uh, Chilo Kerr equalizing at the 75th minute on uh, the first uh, professional assist, I think, for Michu, must be. Uh, the young Paris Saint-Germain player. PSG with that uh, win stays 11 points clear of Nice and OM. And OL is still on the second half of the table after 19 games. They have a game in hand against Marseille. Uh, worrying sign for, for Lyon. But Baptiste, which games have you watched this weekend? Which game would you like uh, to, to talk about um, here warm well, after, an hour after a game? Yeah, no, so I started my weekend with uh, Bordeaux OM which was uh, a pretty dire watch, actually, I've got to say. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it was 90 minutes well spent, but 90 minutes spent anyway. But it, it just felt like a, it just felt like a story of both team seasons so far. Um, so obviously, Boulder completely decimated by COVID, um, struggling for form anyway. I think Petkovic hasn't exactly put his imprint on the team yet, unless it's unless he's going to play sort of 4 through 4 the rest of the season, which I quite, you know, I don't know whether I admire or I, <laughs> or I think that's, you know, borderline criminal, but um, it was always going to be a tough ask for, for Bordeaux. So I wasn't necessarily surprised at kind of how discombobulated they were. Um, but on the other side, I was more surprised at just how sterile uh, Marseille were and, I know we've discussed discussed it separately, but whenever I watch Marseille, it's the build up up to the the, op- the opposition box is is actually lovely to watch. There's a lot of risk taking in defence. Um, they play high up, you know, Luan Perez and and Saliba on on the sides of the three at the back. You know, they know how to play progressively, but apart from Payet, 
you know, going forwards, it's it's quite it's quite timid, um, and there's not a lot of risk taking, which is weird considering the way they play up to there. So, it you know, it's very solid from board um, from Marseille, um, you know, organized chaos until the opposition box, and then and then no sort of ambition or no risk taking, and and it made for a you know a relatively disappointing game in the end. Bordeaux in the 17th place having a, a better attack than Marseille, uh, scoring 30 yeah. goals when Marseille has only scored 27 and, and Marseille is third, of course. Uh, I feel like tells a story in itself, right? It, mm. it definitely tells you that the Bordeaux defense is just um, very leaky and that if Marseille is where they are, it's not thanks to their um, offensive uh, prowess, although that's what uh, we all expected from Sampaoli when he... Uh, When you first arrived, but yeah, I think I, I I have to agree with you. Like um, Marseille, you know, their their strength is defending and defending with the ball is what they do best, and so they just keep the ball and make sure that the other team has as as little as few opportunity as possible. Uh, mind you, Bordeaux had a couple of opportunity by uh, mm-hmm. by Juan Guizhou or Albert Ellis, uh, but it's just very uh, it's just very poor offensively, unfortunately, for the Girondins this season, um, and without without Adli or without all their The whole team in form basically uh, they're all going, always going to struggle I think not that Marseille is that impressive offensively but uh, but Under was able to to score one and then uh, yeah beside Payet not a lot uh, offensively like you were like you were saying um, you you'd watch Strasbourg as well Strasbourg against Metz the derby uh, Ajok with a with a goal and, and an assist and, and again a, a strong show for the the Alsatians yeah my main man Ludovic You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. He's just he's mobile. He's he play, you know he's not individualistic. He takes his chances. Play, you know, plays for the team, leads the line really well. He's quite rapid for his size. Um, and actually, for until the first goal, I thought Mess were actually good value considering they've lost a few players to the African Cup of Nations. They've got injuries. COVID is hitting everyone. Um, you know, they were quite you know Niane up top, and actually De Preville was pretty decent, uh, full of running. I think they just ran out of steam a little bit. And um, and at the other end, you know, Strasbourg, I've been really impressed by them over the last over the last few months. They had a tough start. Julien Stéphane was just trying to get his, you know, his side to work the way he wants it to work. Um, but they've really come on strong and they've got a lot of, just their system works. It plays to the strength of their players. They didn't even have. I don't think they had Diallo today either. I think um, it was it was just Ajorque. But they've got that. You know that three five three five two um, works really well, and that midfield that midfield three is is really is really impressive in the middle of the park. Um, they were good value for their win. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing. I think uh, Stefan. When I think the last souvenir we had of Stefan Rennes was a team that was defending well, but not attacking that good. But in Strasbourg, he's definitely turned that around. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet, this morning again, or sorry, yesterday again, nineteen uh, shots and seven on targets. And, and yeah, Azor Gamero up front and the, the midfield three: Belgard, Perkic, and uh, and Thomason. Uh, Thomason really coming into himself. I think this season, not only mm-hmm. as yeah. the uh, as the as the maestro organizing, but also defensively in the midfield. Uh, Does a does a lot of work for for the team, so uh, yeah, good to see. And uh, and um, for Mess, I think it's just going to be a very complicated second part of the season, like you said. The Preville um, kind of bought himself a second youth over there, and it's good to see. Uh, yeah. But defensively, it's very fragile, and uh, 
Yeah, you're, you're wondering um, you're wondering what they can do, obviously, without Bulaya right now for a month and without um, Ukija, the goalkeeper, for a bit as well. That, that doesn't help. Uh, I mean, if anybody can save them, you would think it's Antonetti, but yeah. you're also wondering how much credit he has left in Lorraine um, after being 19, after 20 game, and uh, and only Saint Etienne uh, being being worse than him, it's going to be a fun uh, a fun duo between uh, Dupraz and Antonetti to uh, to save their team. Uh, let's talk about the game that just finished um, yes. Lyon and Paris Saint Germain, which was a, a very interesting, very interesting game. I mean, um, I'd, I'd say not surprising for Paris, but a bit more for Lyon, who I think yeah. uh, were probably as strong as we've seen them. Um, this season, what did you think about the game, Baptiste? It's just the best I've seen Lyon play over the last few months. I, I have to say, when he boss started with his um, 3-4-3 a couple of weeks ago, it just felt a bit desperate. That was my first my first reaction when I saw it. I think there's talent there. Obviously, easy for me to say in my armchair, but you know, there's talent there to play another more slightly more progressive uh, formation and the the initial results were not particularly satisfying uh but t- tonight i thought they played they played really well um the system worked i have to say psg played right into their hands they just they played very narrow why would you do do that when you've got you know three center backs facing you but uh, their big their big players stepped up you know uh, lopez the spine of their team lopez Boateng, Guimaraes and Kakre in midfield, Paqueta. I thought Dembele had a good game up top, actually. Um, you know, so they 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 deserve to edge it. They had the best situations. They had more desire, more endeavor, more creativity. Uh, but again, it's kind of a story of their season. They just a bit of bad luck, sw- switching off a little bit. They can see the bit of a weak equalizer, um, mm. and then and then on the PSG side, I mean. You know, I I personally like Pochettino. I think he's a, I think he's a good manager. I think he's just not the right manager for this team. He's not the right manager for this type of team. He wants to build a project. He wants to bring players through. It was apart from you know apart from Verratti and obviously as ever Marquinhos. Mm-hmm. Who's going to help? Who was going to help Mbappe do anything in this game? It was shocking. There was there was nothing. I mean, Vinaldo might have as well have not turned up. He was completely anonymous. They only saw signs, showed signs of life when uh, Xavi Simons and Edouard Michoud came on. And um, I think that says a lot about their senior players, actually. That, you know, where were, where were Paredes, Herrera, you know? But, but to me, it's symptomatic and it's symbolic of just what a shambolic job Nasser Al-Khalifi and, and um, Leonardo have done over the years. There's no coherence at all to that club. To, to to stay actually on on that one topic, uh, I'm always interested to hear anybody's thought on on Paris Saint Germain on what's going on yeah. this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's sort of rumors around words that it's um, not the last season, but the last season that really matters for uh, Qatar because the World Cup is right. coming in in December, right? Uh, so the the soft marketing, if you decided to reduce Paris Saint-Germain as just a soft marketing project for Qatar, mm. is coming to the end. And you're saying that a, a coach like Pochettino, although he's a good coach, is not the right coach for that. Is it? Is it a bit of, do you think, like El Khalifi saying, just, just whatever, give it to 
Leonardo and put whatever coach you want to put on it. Doesn't matter. And the the players can be happy for the last season. I just want to make sure Paris Saint-Germain wins something on the year that we host the World Cup. Or what's your feeling of what goes wrong, or, or which coach could actually succeed in Paris? I I mean I think the project's been wrong for a number of years. Frankly, you know, you, you could you could do a starting eleven of players who came through the ranks at PSG who are playing at other clubs and playing well. And you can't tell me for Liga, 1, for the 10, 15 games where you might have an injury or you might need somebody to step into the team, you don't need a Herrera, you don't need a Rafinha when you had players like Nkunku, your club. Like, what was in this guy playing? Musa, you know, Musa Diaby, what, what weren't these guys playing? So I think the project for years has been really, really terrible. And, and that's because I think Al Hilaifi loves stars. I think they have a you know, they want the next biggest name on the market and they want to show it's sports washing, right? So they also want to show they've got the financial means to bring somebody. But it's different from, and I think a lot of clubs, this is where Man City is quite different, but a lot of clubs that come into a lot of money always spend a lot of money very early on to bring big names. So, but then over time, it's sort of the reality starts to kick in and you still spend a lot of money, but it's not, it's not the same caliber of players. And, you know, they brought, Leonardo brought Thiago Silva, Zlatan, that changed the club. And then they brought Cavani, completely changed the club. Over the last few years, I mean, obviously Messi now, but, you know, Paredes for 40 million euros. I mean, who was on the market for that guy, really, for 40 million euros? No one. You know, and again, Herrera, I know he wasn't a free, but, um, you know, so I, I just think the structure at the club, you've got, a, you've got an owner and a chairman who just want to make, make a splash and they, they love talking to stars. They love being beholden to stars. And Leonardo, yeah, he knows the club. He knows Serie A. He got, you know, Verratti is obviously a great signing that he made, but his early signings were obvious when you had that financial clout and he still made them, but they were obvious. And since then, I don't think he's proven anything and, and he's run down the academy. So, you know, Xavier Simons played tonight, but all rumours indicate that he wants to get the hell out of there. Um, and Michu, Michu is, apparently is really good. He's a, I think he's from in and around Paris, so he's probably, you know, make, feels a bit more affiliated to it. But I have to say, when I watched the game, I just thought, if you're Mbappe, and, you know, Mbappe is Parisian. I think he genuinely loves PSG. He, I think as a kid... People, people think PSG has never been a big club, but in the 90s, it was the biggest club in France with Marseille and, you know, Cup Winners' Cup. Uh, when, you know, they won a Cup Winners' Cup. They were Champions League semi-finalists. You know, it, it is a massive club in France and people grew up with it. And I think Mbappe did. But if he looked around the pitch tonight, no one was, there, no one was taking any accountability apart from him. And so there's no project. That, that's why he wants to leave. It's because there's no project. You, you're talking about a team that, like you say, run down the academy, scratched their uh, reserve team, uh, I think it was now six years ago. Uh, yeah. And so, like you say, there's just no path for, for young players to come up. And, and it is an unsustainable um, system that, that they have put through. Uh, and like you said, you know, Manchester City, of course, have created the Galaxy City Football Club uh, all around the world. And, and even other clubs that, that have come into money have tried to make sure that 
yeah. there is a moment where you don't have to keep injecting the money. But Paris, they just keep injecting the money every year. Even if this year you can say the only player bought was uh, Wijnaldum, all those players that came on the free, you got to pay wages. And when you talk about Donnarumma and Messi, they're probably yeah. hefty wages. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's it is it is just a weird, unsustainable um, way of doing business. Coming back onto the pitch, the in the post-match interview, Marquinhos said, um, you know, we have, everyone says we have one month to get ready for Real Madrid, but we need to stop talking about Real Madrid. We need to make sure yeah. we don't drop points in Liga and we stop losing uh, because at that point, it'll be too late to think about it if we lose points right now. Um, it, clearly, he knows that the team isn't um, performing well enough. He's also saying that he doesn't have the, the the players in front of him to be able to break the lines and to go from the midfield to uh, the striker, which is a nice little jab at the uh, Paredes, Verratti, and uh, and yeah. other Wijnaldum. Um, you know, can everyone in France thinks maybe even in Europe thinks Paris has that magic switch? coming in in February, uh, where they're going to rock up and be ready for, for Champions League, except Lionel Messi, who, who clearly is a living switch. Um, who, what do you think Paris Saint-Germain needs to do between now and in six weeks' time to be able to beat um, Carlo Ancelotti's Real Madrid? They have to come up with a structure. It's not You have to play the right players in the right positions. It's not To me, it's not complicated. It's... You know, too too many players are being given avenues in the team where they are not showing much, you know. So, I mean, Vinaldo over the last six months has been a terrible signing. And and frankly, you know, tonight he was poor. But when I saw the starting 11, he looked like he wasn't a right wing. He's not a right winger. What? Why are you bringing a player? Why are you bringing a central midfielder when that's the most stacked area at your club? to then play him out of position. I mean, of course he's going to play badly. And I, ju- I just feel like Pochettino is, and I don't know whether that's his decision or whether he's been being told to do that, but he's trying to fit all those players into a starting 11 when they don't, they don't work together. You know, um, it, it's, it's that simple. You need to be, put, put people who deserve it and people who, you know, who are good enough. I mean, the reality as well is that it's a structurally completely unbalanced squad that they have. That's, you know, it'll be difficult for any coach, even, even Pep Guardiola coming in, you know, even Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, in all times, how are you going to fit Bappe, Messi, Neymar, Di Maria? That should be your four, but none of them are tracking. Di Maria sometimes in the big games, Neymar, He's been intermittent for about three years. Messi, that's not his game, but that's not also what you should ask of him because that's not where his value lies. And then Mbappe in the big games, you know, he does track, but, you know, again, that's that's not it's not where you put Mbappe in the squad for, right? So then you need to build a structure behind it that that is solid and that will work, uh, that will link up well. And I don't see, uh, you know... For me, an example is Hakimi. Hakimi is a really good player. I, I like Hakimi. He's a wing back. He's not a right back. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to play the flat four, why are you buying a 70 million pound wing back? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and it, do- it doesn't make any sense that you're aiming for Champions League glory. And as soon as that guy's injured, it's, it's um, Conan Dagba is your fullback. No disrespect to Dagba, but he wouldn't start for, he wouldn't start for Strasbourg. He wouldn't start for half of the league outside. So mm-hmm. 
I, I think it's it's a tough ask. It's to, it's to find a structure. Going back to your question, is to find a team that fits, and that works well together, and that has an identity. And that's a, difficult at the best of times. But when you're being when the ingredients you have just don't fit, it's it's good. I you know it's going to be nigh on impossible. I don't. I I struggle. Like you said, they have they have a switch in the sense that they have great players who can turn it on. And Marquinhos is a great player. He's a great leader. You know, the spine of that team is technically could be good. You know, Marquinhos, Verratti, Messi, Mbappe, that's pretty freaking strong. But I struggle to see them breaking through. You mentioned those those coach Alex Ferguson and, and Guardiola. I would think that they're not coming to Paris Saint-Germain if they're being told that this is the squad and you don't have a choice because they would get rid of half of those players. I was the, over the, over the Christmas break, I was looking at, you know, what is the Paris Saint-Germain team that can win the Champions League? Uh, and what I come up with is, I would assume most people would agree, um, is a 3-5-2 where, to be honest, Navas or Donnarumma, I don't care as long as the same goalkeeper plays every single game yeah. from January to May. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to perform. Uh, and then a back three of, um, Sergio Ramos, or Kerrer, uh, with Marquinhos and Kimpembe. On the left, Nuno Mendes, who's, who's showing good things for his age. On the yeah. right, Akimi, the two midfielders, Verachi and Idris, Idris Agei. Uh, yeah. And then up front, maybe uh, as two number 10, Messi and Neymar can be free. And as a number nine, Mbappe. And I think with this team, you're, you're playing on your strength and on your weaknesses, yeah. what, what you're saying, you know, the fact that uh, Neymar, Mbappe and, uh, and Messi aren't going to track down. Uh, but at least you still have seven players who can play defensively and, and like you did against Manchester City. Then you can just have Messi and Neymar hanging around at the 30-meter, 40-meter mm. um, mark so that the defender of the other team don't come too high. Um, and, and then with that team, maybe you can get there. But it hasn't played this team together since the beginning of the season has he no and and to, and to be fair there's been there have been rumors of Pochettino wanting to switch to that system uh which like you said I think it's a really coherent one but again you know it's they only have two center backs I mean Sergio Ramos mm-hmm. he's either semi-retired or he's just has terrible luck with injuries I, I, I don't know the ins and outs <laughs> Uh, but then you're relying on Tilo Kerr, who costs 40 million and it doesn't have the, the level. Um, you know, Nuno Mendes is good, he's raw, but unfortunately Bernat is injured. If Hakimi goes, you've got Dagba. You know, it, it's it's so it, it's just um, for me. It's we laughed we laughed at Real Madrid at one point when they talked about Zidane y Pavones. It's exactly the same thing at, at PSG. What's with uh, Nuno Mendes taking all the set pieces this morning? Oh, that last night, <laughs> tonight. Sorry for you. I saw him taking the free kicks and and the corner kick. I mean, he's he's doing well. Uh, mm. But I was in my mind. I had your 2021 when Mbappe gets mad with everyone in the first national team because he wants to take every single set piece. And then you yeah. got that new kid who comes from uh, Sporting Lisbon uh, who who takes them over Mbappe, over Paredes, over everyone. Good. Good uh, set piece yeah. taker, but, uh, but quite surprising to see him in charge of all that. Yeah, I, I but then but then Mbappe stood for a free kick and hit the post, right? Yeah, yeah, that was actually yeah. Yeah, it, free it, kick. yeah I, it just feels completely unstructured. Whatever's going on at that club, and to me, the best team they had to win it was the team under Laurent Blanc. They should yeah. have won it. 
Cavani, Zlatan, that midfield of Thiago Mota and Verratti, you know, Thiago Silva at the back. That I mean, that was that was a real that was a real good team that. And um I think that ship has sailed. That was that was balanced and uh, and that was solid. And I realized that I made a mistake when I talked at the beginning. I said the money spent on Wijnaldum. Of course, Wijnaldum came on the free, and the money PSG spent they spent on Hakimi, as you uh, <laughs> as, as you said. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be the story of of Paris Saint Germain. Um, mm. Lyon, very quickly, um, you know, like you said, um, just just what they've shown since the beginning of the season. I mean, the goal itself is is a beautiful goal that passed from Bruno Guimaraes mm. uh, to Lucas Paqueta, and Paqueta has been. Um, very good at the beginning of the season, although he's off uh, a couple of weeks. Um, he wasn't great before Christmas. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, you know, first, maybe a bit trivial, but um, what happened with Dembele? Did he go to the gym? Did you see how beefed up he is? He looks like a, a Lukaku or Drogba in his prime, where he's, yeah. he's still as fast as he used to be, uh, yeah. but definitely uh, strong on the shoulders. Uh, and, uh, and do you think that the the Peter Bos message is going through or do you think it's only going through in big games against big teams? Because that's basically only when we're seeing Lyon playing well. I, I think that's the right question. I'm not, I'm not sure I have the answer. Lyon, Lyon have a habit, over the, have had a habit over the last few years of playing down or playing up to their competition. There's no, there's no middle ground. They don't, they don't finish off a, uh, a lesser team easily and yet they step up. All their games over the last few seasons against PSG have always been tight. And frankly, they've been uh, twice this year. They've been desperately unlucky against them. Um, so, so I, I mean, I don't know what what I did see is players really committed, and players who actually, and maybe that's credit to the work that boss is doing. And they've, you know, you need weeks to implement things, right? But players who seem comfortable in their roles, and who seem to know what they were doing, and who were being put in positions that played to their strength. Um, so that you know, I, if I were a Lyon fan, the, the start of the season has been poor. But if they're going to play, you know, obviously football isn't as easy as that. But if they're going to play like this so coherently for the rest of the season, there's something to look forward to. Um, and you know, players that you would expect to play well played played really well, and and uh, you know, some some you didn't expect to play so well were also well led. You know. I think Boateng tonight did a great job with Lukeba and, and De Silva. One doesn't, one's not very, one's not really good enough, De Silva, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lukeba is very young; he's 18, but you know he grew he grew in strength throughout the game. Like I said before, I mean I'm a huge fan of Kakere. I think he's a great player, uh, and I think he could fit in the midfield with Bruno Guimaraes, just the two of them, um, and that worked. <laughs> The only disappointment I had was um, was Awa, and um, mm-hmm. and I feel bad saying that because I think he did a lot of dirty unseen work throughout the game. I think his defensive work was, you know, him and Paqueta played defensively. I know it's not their role, but defensively they were they were everywhere. Um, but he just seems they just seem to try and fit him somewhere. Awa, and it's not. I feel bad for him. He's just being played out of position constantly. He's not. He played as sort of a, not a left winger, but a left mm-hmm. attacking, left-sided attacking midfielder. And he had no confidence when when taking on players. And he made the wrong choices. And that's just because he's out of confidence and being played a- across the pitch. But, yeah, he's um, a midfielder. Yeah, he's a central midfielder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but I, you know, 
back to the question, yeah, I, 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 th- I think they showed a lot of heart. They showed a lot of endeavor and um, and a lot of bravery, the, w- the way they brought the ball out. They had a clear plan, they worked to it, and it worked. So you can't ask for more than that if you're a Lyon fan, I think. Just the three points and not and not um, conceding at the 75th yeah. minute against uh, against Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, all right, that, that, that will be us for um, the... 20th match day of Ligue 1. The, the games that were reported, the reported, uh, that were postponed, of course, um, Lille against Lorient, uh, all, all because of, um, COVID cases and, uh, and Montpellier against Troyes, uh, which will be played at a, at a later date. Uh, a very, very quick look, uh, at the table to see that Paris Saint-Germain, of course, is up front 11 points uh, above Nice and Marseille, as I was saying. Nice and Marseille with a, a nice little five point cushion on their, um, next teams, Rennes and Montpellier, Montpellier with a game in hand, uh, and all the way at the bottom, uh, Saint-Etienne, uh, with 19 games played only is at the bottom with 12 points, four points away from Metz and Lorient, Lorient, who has a game in hand? Every single team has a game in hand, uh, this day and age. <laughs>